Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Well, good morning, Hillside, to Roger, to Tanya, and the entirety of all of you beautiful Hillside peeps. It's Ryan here, all the way from Salt Rock, and uh, what an absolute treat to be able to share some exciting things with you during these incredibly challenging times. I don't know about you, but I'm finding this quite challenging. But what's exciting is we are made for moments like this. And um, we want to send huge love from Melissa, myself, and all of us at Freedom House. Um, I want you to know that we are doing well, regardless of everything that we are facing together. Um, It's quite exciting to see how the church is rallying and responding in courage. And it's not courage in spite of uh, feeling a little bit overwhelmed from time to time. It's true courage, facing down uh, all sorts of intimidating things and yet standing up full of the conviction of Jesus. And um, I can report that we are doing well and we send all of our love. And again, what an absolute treat to be able to share some cool and exciting stuff. And I've only got a little bit of time to share it with you. And Raj asked me to speak about the church. Are you kidding? In, in about 20 minutes, I wish I had hours and hours and hours. I must say that I've become more convinced during this period of the utter beauty, um, the, the power, the significance of the church, especially in these times. And... Um, I'm going to be speaking about that this morning. So why don't we, why don't we pray uh, from the get-go and ask God to do something deep inside of our hearts? Because I'm mindful that as we preach the Word, it's, it's a team effort. And also the Word of God lands in all sorts of different places and environments. So let's pray together. Father, I give you thanks for Hillside. I give you thanks for the incredible history of this church. But I give you thanks most importantly for the incredible destiny that you have in store for her and the place that she has in seeing your kingdom come in KwaZulu-Natal, in South Africa and beyond. God, I ask that as we speak about the church this morning, I ask that your word would resonate deep inside of every single one of our hearts, that those that might feel a little bit discouraged, that you would stir us, Lord, uh, to courage and the faith of Jesus And those that are in a good place, I ask that you do more and more. But above all else, I ask for your blessing to be upon Hillside and every person in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, Amen. Okay, so turn in your Bibles, please. I'm sure you've got them at the ready. To Ephesians 3, verse 10 and 11. I want to say very quickly that Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus has to be one of my favorite parts of the scriptures. God has used uh, that whole epistle to speak to me so profoundly about the nature of the kingdom and the nature and significance of the church in advancing the kingdom. And uh, I want to read what it says in these few verses. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
This is the fulcrum around which the entirety of this epistle rotates. And uh, uh, the Spirit is making it really clear through Paul to us today that God has only one significant plan in order to advance his kingdom and to enforce his rule, the rule that he established in his son Jesus Christ at Calvary. And that plan is now through the church. God's intent has not changed. And his intent is that now in every season of life, the church would be the vehicle through which he reveals his plans and his purposes. So let me just say this from the get-go. The word that, that Paul uses is now. Many times we think that we as the church, we get to do the exciting things with God when, it, when the waters are, um, are calm and easy to navigate. But the point that Paul is making is that it's now. Yes, it's in the midst of the corona lockdown. It's now that we get to advance the purposes of God. It's not just when everything's going easy. It certainly is when the challenges are rough and tough. Now, I want to say this in my initial point from, from the outset. The church is the most resilient organization slash institution in the history of humanity. That's us. I want you to know that we are made for crisis. One of South Africa's great historians who passed away many years ago, his name uh, is David Bosch, wrote this incredible uh, book called Transforming Mission. And in it, he's, he alludes to the fact that the church was birthed in crisis, but the church thrives in crisis. If you look back in church history, you will notice a few things about us as the body of Christ. That when the pressure's on, the kingdom advances rapidly in accelerated fashion through the church. Right now, that is an important thing to remember because uh, we're feeling like we're under pressure and we want to run for cover. And it's really important as we go back through history that we look at how the church has come to the fore, has risen to the task, no matter what is thrown at it. If we look back at recent history, if we look back at the onslaught of communism uh, in the Eastern Bloc countries, uh, and not a long time back, the churches uh, 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 exploded through that time. I remember having a conversation with a, with a church leader from Romania, not only four years ago. And I said to them, how is the church doing in Romania? They said an interesting thing. They said that when the church came out of communism, uh, she was healthy and she was doing well. But in a short space of time, as uh, the church in Romania was exposed to certain Western so-called privileges, um, the church in Romania slunk back into uh, compromise and they abandoned their radical position. And, it, and, and this leader said it's taken years for, the, for that church, the church throughout Romania, to remember what she is made for. And the simple point was, under pressure, the church thrived. Yes, incredible challenges, make no mistake. But the church was strong, the believers were strong, they stuck together. But when the doors so-called opened to the West, 
The church sling, uh, sling back, uh, was sucked back into compromise. But it's only in the recent times that she's remembered how powerful she is meant to be. Guys, that's just one anecdotal story to remind us that pressure is not our enemy. Pressure is the very thing that rapidly accelerates God's purposes in us and through us. We, we only need to think of the church in, in China over the last number of decades as pressures been on the underground church. The stories coming out of uh, the church in, in uh, the Republic of China has been absolutely encouraging. And moreover, more recently, uh, the church in the Middle East. I don't know if you watched some of those documentaries doing the rounds at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. Uh, uh, telling the story of the church in Iran. My goodness, I watched that over and over and over again. I'm saying all of this to say this, that when Paul by the Spirit says, now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known to powers and principalities in accordance with the finished work of Jesus at Calvary, he's not kidding. You and I, we are made for such a time as this. We are more resilient than you could imagine. I am watching many leaders, church leaders throughout the world and, and even in South Africa, speaking of all sorts of so-called nefarious agendas of certain types of people with political and philosophical agendas. I'll just leave it like that. And uh, these church leaders and, and, and many believers getting really nervous. I, I want you to know this. Whatever is thrown in our direction, God is unstoppable in us and through us at the church. It's incredible. We are about to celebrate Pentecost. And no, it's not a new Pentecost that we are trusting for. We are celebrating the incredible outpouring of the Spirit on the 31st of May. And I want to remember, I want you at least to remember what took place at Pentecost. There, the 120 were, were in the upper room, what I call the womb of God's purposes, stuck between the Romans and uh, the, the, the Hebrews, the Sanhedrin, so to speak, between a rock and a hard place. They were, they were under incredible pressure and their response was to lift their voice in prayer. Their response was to lift their voice in worship. And in that place, the church was birthed in fire. Fire, yes, of persecution and pressure, but the very fire of God upon them. And the people that were nervous in the upper room, the 120 shaking and quaking, so to speak, in the upper room, doing the best that they could do, they were launched onto the streets with great power and great purpose, and the kingdom of God advanced through them. And so, as we launch off, Speaking about the church today, I want to remind you that the Bride of Christ is the most resilient people on the planet. How incredibly exciting is this? You and I are made for such a time as this. Hillside Church, you are more resilient than you could imagine. So, what gives us this resilience? I want to remind us that you and I, as the righteousness of Christ, 
we have the rights and the privileges of the people of God. The first part of Ephesians, in fact, chapter 1, verse 3, uh, right through to verse 14, is all about Paul reminding this incredible church and uh, in, in many respects reminding us today that you and I aren't just normal people. We are the beloved people of God. We are as church established in Christ. And those uh, verses, this passionate uh, um, explosion of Paul, whilst he's even in lockdown in jail, this explosion of Paul as he remembers what it means to be in Christ. He is reminding us by the Spirit that you and I are rooted and established in the triumphant work of Jesus. That means in our righteousness, we have the rights to lean into God and access all of the resources that you and I have the privilege of taking a hold of because we are the redeemed, the righteous in Christ. Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every way with every spiritual blessing. You know, as the resilient church, facing challenging times. We are not sent off into the dark with um, no resource to lean upon. We have the full resources of God at our disposal because we are the righteousness of Christ. Hebrews 10 is the most powerful rendition of what it means to lean into the full access of our righteousness of Christ. The writer to the Hebrews is quickly, I just want to quickly remind you, is saying this, we are not under the heavy burden of guilt and condemnation because we are not linked uh, to the repeated sacrifices of bulls and, and goats uh, through a human priest. No, 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 no. We have one great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has made one sacrifice for all time. And he has made us holy. He has made us righteous. And then the writer says this. He says, because of that, we have full access. We have full confidence. We have full rights to reach into the very throne room of grace. The reason why we are resilient in these times, friends, is because you and I, we have the righteousness of Christ that has given us for all time with full confidence, the full access that we have in our righteousness to lean into the very deep places of the throne room of grace in our time of need, in our time of great pressure, we have access to all Jesus has access to. You know, we, we uh, used to sing this song, take me past the outer courts into the holy place. Take me into the holy of holies. I want you to know, friends, whilst I have enjoyed that song for many years, in the last decade or so, I've remembered this. We are not praying with an Old Testament reality, approaching the throne room from the outer courts, etc., etc., etc. Guess what? Because of the finished work of Jesus that Paul is speaking about in the first chapter of Ephesians, friends, our home is the Holy of Holies. Our rightful place is the Holy of Holies, the very throne room of God. That's what makes us resilient. We are not working for uh, uh, the holy place. Our home is the holy place with God. 
the throne room of grace with Jesus. So why is it that now through the church, we are advancing the kingdom of God, no matter what comes our way, what makes us resilient? Number one, we have the righteousness of Christ. And therefore we have access to the grace of God that we need in these times. Secondly, I want to say this very quickly. And then I'm going to start wrapping it up. I promise I'm only getting going, but I'm going to wrap it up. Not only are we the righteousness of Christ, but Paul says in Ephesians 1, moving into Ephesians 2, that this righteousness has resulted in a whole new position as believers. I want you to know something that before Christ, we were slaves to sin, following the ways of the world, the prince of the power of the air who is at work in all of those who are disobedient. I'm not making that up. That's just Ephesians 2, the beginning part. We were slaves. And guess what? When we came to faith because of the righteousness of Christ, we didn't become servants of God. No, 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 no. We became sons and daughters. But uh, adoption, the spirit of adoption means something. Not only is it righteousness, but the spirit of adoption, according to Romans 8 and according to Galatians 3 and Galatians 4, means this, that you and I are co-heirs together with Christ. Ephesians 2 says this, because we are now in Christ, we are seated with Christ in this world. So we are resilient and we are powerful, not only because we have full access to the throne of grace, but guess what? We have full access to all the resources and all the wisdom and all the privileges and all the wealth and all the understanding that belongs to Jesus. Ephesians 2 says that not only are we raised with Christ, but we are seated with Christ far above every power and every principality that we would do the works of Jesus in this world. Well, what does that mean, Ryan? Hillside, very simply, that the wisdom of Jesus is now our privileged wisdom. That the perspective of Jesus is now our perspective. That the resources that Jesus, the lion and the lamb, has access and privilege to are our resources. The wealth, the resource, the capacity of Christ is ours again this is who the church is. And what God is doing in these times is he is reminding us of our rightful identity and our rightful authority. Our identity is righteousness, but our authority is that of being co-heirs and co-rulers with Christ in this world. That is why Paul says it is now, God's intent is now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the powers and principalities in accordance with the finished work of Jesus. The church is resilient beyond measure because we have righteousness, we have full access to the throne room of grace, and we have the rights of sons and daughters in being co-heirs with Christ as rulers in this world. That means, my friends, uh, up the hill at Hillside, that when we pray, it is powerful. That when we speak, it is significant. When we partner as NGOs and we do what seems like a little thing to feed uh, those um, that are in desperate need, 
brothers and sisters, my friends, it is powerful beyond measure. We are operating with the full weight and backing of God moving into this world. So I'm going to try and wrap it up with this. We are resilient beyond measure. In Matthew 16, I want to remind you of what Jesus did with his disciples. He, t- he takes them to Caesarea Philippi and he begins to speak to them about the significance of the church in advance. It's the first time that Jesus starts speaking about us as the church. And he takes them to Caesarea Philippi, a city where Herod had his place of rulership. It was historically the center of pan worship in the whole of the known world and he stands before them and he says what's the word on the ground who do they say that I am and they say some say this some say that and then Jesus says who do you say that I am and Peter says you are the Christ the Messiah the son of the living God and Jesus says because of that revelation It's from heaven to earth. You haven't made it up on your own. Because of that revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And in fact, because of that revelation that I am Messiah and that I am King, I will give you the keys of the kingdom and you will advance the kingdom of God as the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Will not be able to resist the onslaught of the church over and against every work of darkness. What we fail to see in that text is that Caesarea Philippi, uh, like I said, was the center of pagan worship in the known world. Pan was uh, that Um, a goat type figure that if we understand um, anything around Satanism is that Baphomet picture, that cloven hooved goat with horns and and the pan pipes. That comes from pan worship. But this is what we need to understand. Jesus uh, had chose the place of places because in Caesarea Philippi, there was a cave that was literally called the gates of hell where they would worship Pan in the most despicable ways. I won't even go into the detail. It's not worth reminding them. And uh, the historians say that Jesus, together with his disciples, was most probably standing in front of that cave called the Gates of Hell or the Gates of Hades, where um, the Pan worshippers expected all of the power of hell to come out of. And in the walls next to that cave were different little niches dug into uh, the wall where they would worship and and place little uh, idols of false worship and he says he says this what's the word out there he's literally Jesus is literally saying this in the face of all of these false gods who do you say that I am in the face of all these powers and these principalities who do you say to that that I am and Peter says you know normal someone You know, a a, a good teacher, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the ruling king. You are the ruling potentate over every power and principality. And it's then that Jesus says, you are exactly right, Peter. You are exactly right. And with that revelation, the power of the kingdom of God over and against every lesser ruling power on earth 
will come and the kingdom of God will advance against every work of the enemy and the gates of hell. This, this grotto, this cave behind us will not be able to resist the forceful advance of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 16. Guess what? That's what Paul was saying and is saying to us in Ephesians 3 verse 10. It is now because of the finished work of Jesus, what Messiah has achieved over every power and principality in giving us righteousness and fellow rulership with Jesus as co-heirs and co-rulers. The power of God is revealed in and through us at this time. This is our greatest moment, Hillside. This is our greatest moment as the church. All I wanted to do this morning is remind you of who you are and who we are in our precious King Jesus. God bless you, Hillside. I've already gone on too long anyway. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.